Hi, this is Rodney Lim, owner and clinical supervisor of Advanced Counseling and Communicating Love. The purpose of my podcast channel is to help you progress, overcome challenges, and succeed in those things you'd like to accomplish or learn. Over the last 27 years in practice, as a licensed clinical counselor and marriage and family therapist, I have worked with a variety of clients with many struggles, but I have found there are three main areas that people can use a little help in. Mental health, including anxiety and depression, marriage and relationships, and pornography challenges and other things that cause difficulties in relationships. Each week, I will tackle one of these areas. So whatever you are struggling with, you can listen to that specific podcast area. I hope to give you real tools and suggestions that work. I hope to educate you on how to support loved ones and how to work on relationships. And most of all, I hope this is informative and helpful to you. Be sure to check out my website, communicatinglove.com, where you will find lots of great resources. You can also join me for a live webinar every Thursday if you'd like to ask questions. Go to my website, communicatinglove.com, for all the information. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome. I'm excited to be here to share some thoughts on marriage and relationship. For a long time, many years, actually, I've been planning on doing podcasts, and I'm excited to be doing that now, realizing that uh, it's a work in progress. I'll be getting better and better every week and hope that you can find your time here with me valuable. It's a little introduction of myself. I've been a licensed counselor for about 27 years. I've been married for 34 years, and I come from a, a good examples of my parents. Been mar- were married 54 years before my dad passed, and uh, my parent-in-laws, they were married 47 years before my mother-in-law passed away. So. I had a good example from them, and most important, I've had a very forgiving wife, so that's how we've had a good, successful 34 years, still learning and growing and doing that. So what you're going to get out of today, we're going to talk about the skills for active listening. Some of the basics of a good relationship is good communication. When I get couples come in the office, almost all of them come in when I asked what they need help with, and they said, we need help in communicating. And it's true that we all can be reminded. Hopefully, most all of that I share today is something that you've been exposed to before, know before, but it's a good reminder. The basics of communication, just going through a list, though, helps us be more acutely aware so that we can be more successful. So I'll be covering uh, 10 skills for active listening, also human nature uh, to be aware of in relationship because it is in a marriage that our greatest heaven and greatest not heaven is created. So marriage relationship is require some good active skills and Some of those come natural and some not so natural. 10 skills for active listening. I want to go through that list. Number one of 10 skills is being attending and acknowledging. So attending and acknowledging. 
that's uh, providing verbal or nonverbal awareness of the other person and you know how does someone know that you're listening it doesn't come from looking around the room and not looking at the person some of this is cultural generally though in some cultures it's perceived as being rude if you're looking directly at a person when they're talking like you're challenging them so if a person looks uncomfortable just be aware of that and don't stare at them while you're listening you can look at them in others if you don't look at them it seems not so helpful so just be aware of the culture look around and kind of notice how they communicate with you generally if you pattern you're looking at them similar to how they look at you then that will find a good balance with them so you want to avoid avoiding and it's helpful to have face the speaker and maintain eye contact nod you're looking at them um, watching them and as you're nodding that's giving them encouragement to continue talking and going so those are very helpful it's kind of interesting looking at commercials how on tv you'll see that that's over exaggerated but even though it looks over exaggerated it's at a nonverbal level it's welcomed and so that's a great thing to be able to do so when someone's pitching a product and the person's there listening and they're nodding their head very extremely and that actually is a helpful thing to show that you're attending you're acknowledging what they're saying so that's step one step two would be restating that's responding to the person's basic verbal message that's not changing the subject or talking about what they said triggered you in your mind experience that would be derailing their talking that's a very basic but very important skill even though it seems basic it's something that is easy to miss especially in couples when we communicate is that when we're talking with our spouse we get triggered to trigger to what they're saying and we often want to defend or respond or answer that so we want to not change the subject what we do want to do is to repeat the phrase you would like clarified so as you're listening and following along you might summarize that back well to restating so what i'm understanding this is to get clarification so addressing a question here what if the question is what if other person mouths what i say when i say it what does this mean so a question like this and other questions i can't answer directly what it means because it's different for different people again it comes to a different attitude on if the person looks like they're listening and they're genuinely listening what it would mean in that case is that they're in a sense in the repeating in their own mind and their mouth is moving as a repeating in their mind what they're listening to and in that case if it looks like they're being genuine that's a good sign that they're paying really close attention and they're working on processing on what the meaning of the words are that you're sharing with them or this being spoken of 
so again it depends on the person attitude okay so i was going to save this for after but i want to jump in and this kind of helps answer that question more and this is something i share with every couple that comes into the office for helping with their relationship it's a perspective of how we are as human beings so i'm going to Take a detour and we'll come back and finish the 10 skills for active listening. This is the tale of two wolves. One evening, an elderly Cherokee brave told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. And we could even add to that list. But the other is good. The good wolf, it is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one that you feed. Okay, so I really, really like this because it's a really good summary that I've never had anybody not understand and not relate to, understanding that as human beings, we have our patient side and our not so patient side. And so thinking about how we are with you know, good wolf and bad wolf, it depends. So if we are in our good wolf, when a person is listening and they're mouthing the words, that means they're really intently focused and paying attention. If they're in their bad wolf and they're mouthing, then they would be mocking and making fun of what's being said. So that makes a big difference of whether or not that you know what what it means if a person's mouth in the words if they're being genuine in their good wolf then that means that that person is more auditory of a listener so some people are more visual and some people more auditory and some are more kinesthetic to really understand something it helps to know which way that person is processing so we do process in all three ways, but we generally have a primary way that we process. So a um, experience I had with my wife when it comes to being attentive. So I was talking away and my wife was being very attentive, uh, very attentive in fact, so much so that as she was watching my face, my nonverbal facial expressions as we were having an intense discussion. I was trying to say one thing and my face was contorting because I had lots of thoughts going through my mind all at the same time. And so it was confusing to her as she was listening to my words and watching my face become contorted. And so sometimes we need to adjust that and make it easier to listen to words. So if a person's not looking at you directly, they often are more focusing auditorily listening to the words that you have. So 
that's what I needed her to do is not to look at me so much. So what I did in that circumstance, we were in the bedroom, she was on one side of the bed, I was on the other, and I asked her, would you please turn around, sit down on the edge of the bed with your back to me? And because of that, she was not distracted by the nonverbal facial expressions I had or movement as I was trying to formulate the words, moving my hands, that was distracting to her. Because she's a very visual person, all of those cues were flooding her with information and confusing her because I was having difficulty formulating the words that I wanted her to understand. So by her not looking at me, I was able to focus more on my words without her being triggered to not be able to hear me. And so in that case, that lowered our anxiety levels between the two of us and we're able to continue the discussion. So that's an important thing to be aware of. On a further detour that I did have planned sharing today was uh, three ways that we can grow closer to others around us. Now those three categories are sharing feelings. So when we share feelings, we open our heart and we share feelings. Now, again, does that bring us closer or further apart depends on if we're in our good wolf or in our bad wolf. If we're in our good wolf, we are gonna be full of peace and joy and serenity and our words will be kind, full of humility. They will be generous and filled with compassion, okay? And that's natural that those things are pleasing and welcoming and those build relationship. Of course, if we're in our bad wolf and we're sharing anger and jealousy, greed and lies, those things are what push us away from that person or those individuals. So if we're in our good wolf or bad wolf, it makes a difference. But how we communicate makes a difference. The golden question in relationship or maybe someone would say the platinum question actually is in anything that we do in our relationship the question is does this help me feel closer or further away if it helps us feel closer we want to do more of it if it causes us to feel further away then we want to do less of it that is determining that we want a relationship with that person so we do have influence over that. And so sharing feelings is one way to grow closer if we're in a good wolf. The other main category is working together, doing a project together. A lot of times couples doing, like doing a project at home together, painting a bedroom, moving furniture, painting, all that, doing that together. When there are kind words, that accompany that, then doing work together is a really building activity for relationship. And so that's very important to do that. Of course, if we're in our bad wolf and we're working together, we're yelling and being impatient with each other, then we want to avoid that. So that builds distance in the relationship. So it's important to be aware, to be mindful of how we are behaving. 
So bottom line, if we're in our bad wolf, anybody wants less of that. If we're in a good wolf, that's inviting to everyone. Okay, the third category after feelings and working together is to play. Think of that one first, uh, playing together helps bring closer together. Because usually in play, we're usually more patient and encouraging to each other. That's good play. Of course, there's the examples that if someone's uh, a poor sport, if we're playing games like that, then that makes it unpleasant and the play can turn to a miserable experience. So we want to check ourselves, make sure that we are being in a good wolf. Another way to check, make sure that as long as we're breathing well, then we can be more calm and communicate well. With that, uh, the bad or good wolf, silence in a relationship can be violence or silence in a relationship can be golden depending on what the intent is. If a person's in a good wolf and a person wants to have some quiet time, then silence is golden because we allow that person some quiet alone time or even quiet together can be golden to just sit in peace. When we are filled with peace and love, then that's okay. We enjoy being around that. But if someone's in their bad wolf, I've had couples come in and they're bad wolf and they've been silent. They haven't talked to each other in two weeks or three weeks. Living together, not even talking, that kind of silence where we stonewall someone and get stonewalled, that is a violent type of silence. So in another episode, we'll cover stonewalling and other things that we want to avoid. But for the most part, if you just think about whether in your good or bad wolf, you already know what the answer is and whether it's helpful or not to the relationship. So you ask yourself, am I in my good wolf? Or if what I'm doing right now, is it helping me grow closer in the relationship or further away? So the answer to that becomes obvious when we ask that question. Okay, so great. That was a great thing to share. I had that on the list to talk about. So getting back to the 10 skills for active listening. So number one was attending, acknowledging. Two is restating. That's asking, repeating a phrase to get clarification. Then adding to that, in addition to just getting clarification for things, would be the next step. Skill three is reflecting. Reflecting perceptions of content that are heard or perceived through cues. So sometimes it's not just what a person says, it's also their nonverbal cues. So that's not just listening for what is being said, but also responding to phrases such as, when we reflect back, so what I hear you saying is, or, or so you feel that, so that reflecting not just mirrors or parrots back what they're saying, but it's taking what they have shared with you and having you summarize that back while also adding to that your understanding of what they're saying. So that's like, so I'm understanding you feel this way in that circumstance. 
And so that leads kind of into the next uh, skill is interpreting. So with reflecting, we want to not downplay a speaker's emotions. We want to acknowledge what that is. So number four, interpreting. It's not assuming what the speaker is trying to communicate without listening. So you don't want to jump in ahead of them and try to explain before they have a chance to share because it's part of their sharing that builds a relationship. When a person is listened to intently, it's like emotional oxygen to the relationship. So as we listen and we are able to offer tentative interpretations about the person's feelings, desires, or meaning, that we keep an open mind. So what, what you're hearing, trying to picture what the speaker is saying. So that's very active listening is following along and understanding the scenario. So then the next step is summarizing and synthesizing. That's bringing together the feelings and the experience to provide a focus. So it is not elaborating on what the speaker is saying, adding to that in a way into your own topic, just in working and focusing on there. It's repeating back what you heard briefly, but accurately it's paraphrasing and then understanding through what you've interpreted to do that. And then skill number six is probing. So when you feel like you fully heard and understood, you question the speaker in a supportive way to request more information or clear up any confusion. That's not interrogating or challenging the speaker. Of course, that's easy to get into as a parent with your teenage kids. So that becomes an unpleasant experience for them. The challenge is to find ways to share that they will Pay attention. What you want to do in probing questions is waiting for the speaker to pause and asking clarifying questions. You try dangling or open-ended questions like what I'm hearing you say is this is you know this kind of a nonverbal cue or you could even say you know is that right or could you tell me more about that. So that's probing questions. If that's shared and a person feels like they're listening to then skill seven is giving feedback that giving feedback i want to detour from giving feedback and cover another principle here and that is called wise advice so feedback is different than advice oftentimes when someone's sharing and talking that triggers something it's easy to interrupt or offer solutions, preaching or teaching, and we want to avoid that. So how do we know and how do we avoid that? Okay, so wise advice. This is out of a parenting class that my wife and I taught years ago. It's a very important part I like to share as well. The advice is an important part of support groups or supporting a person. In a group setting, you want to be careful to give advice and it's in parenting. Tips for constructive advice. And this is out of Parent Project. The wise advice. First of all, the W is for willing. Ask yourself, is the person ready to hear the advice? 
if a person speaks and asks, what should I do, and waits and listens, he or she is willing. But if a person responds to suggestions by saying, yes, but, he or she is not yet willing or really ready for advice. So that's one way you can know and take those cues. Yes, but means they're not done. Informed. Before giving advice, be sure of all the facts. What has the person already tried? So that's part of those probing questions in step six that we talked about is to asking those questions for greater clarification so that you have a greater and greater understanding what the situation was and what's the principles involved with that. And then success for the wise, W-I-S-E, is your advice something you have tried and been successful with or practiced and learned as part of this course or or whatever it is you're talking. So you can only speak from successful experience or practiced and learned. As you think about when someone's sharing their experience, so it makes a difference if you have experience. How experience does a person have to have to be able to give advice? And that's always a challenging question. So the main thing is to be honest how much experience you don't have if it comes up with that. So one of the challenges I had when I was uh, a supervisor for an outpatient clinic that did drug and alcohol treatment, since I have not experience in being addicted to drugs or alcohol, sometimes the addicts were wondering if I could understand and relate to what their experience was. And in many ways, I couldn't because I hadn't been down that path. However, what I was able to share was my experience of listening to other people's stories and share the therapeutic processes of understanding how the mind works when we get into addiction and habits. And so even though I didn't have advice from experience, Literally, I did have advice from professional experience working with many individuals. So there's different kinds of experience. So then the last one is empathy. Uh, does the advice show a strong understanding for the member's feelings? Okay, so <clears throat> wise advice. So again, that's another way of saying, is the advice coming from the good wolf or from the bad wolf? And so... When we're from the good wolf, it's empathetic, and then it's given with love. And it's very few people that are going to reject love. All right, so that's a sidetrack from that, and that's all related. So we're back to giving feedback. So again, making sure you give wise advice. Okay, skill number eight is supporting, and that's part of the wise advice, giving compassionate support show warmth and caring in one's own individual way. So we want to avoid judging the speaker or rehearsing your response in your own head while they are speaking. What you want to do is pay attention to what isn't said, to feeling, facial expressions, gestures, postures, and other nonverbal cues. As long as we don't get too tr triggered from that, then that's what we want to do is to really 
listen to understand to that. But as I mentioned in the story, in that discussion with my wife, there's times where our emotions are really high and we're easy triggered into the bad wolf. So we've got to slow it down. So that's one way to slow it down is to not look at each other. But as long as you're in your good wolf, to be absorbed and listening with full focus is wonderful. So right here, this is probably where in working with couples, in communicating with each other, coaching them to share, create that safe environment. This is the most difficult thing that I see everyone has trouble with is getting triggered into what's being listened to and the head feeling with, oh, how am I going to respond to this? Or this is how I have to say that they're wrong or to rebuttal what's being said. And so if you ever feel like you have to defend yourself or explain yourself, that is a good indicator. It is an indicator that you're not listening. And so that's probably where I coach couples the most right there is to slow it down and to refocus. So one way that helps with that is if you are in an emotional discussion, the mind does get triggered, especially in relationships, because when we live with someone for a long time, the subconscious mind is into repetition. And many times we have discussions over and over and over again with our spouse. We become so familiar that oftentimes they can say one sentence and we can fill in the whole rest of the story without them having to finish it because we've been around them and we hear them and we talk to them. And so that's a good thing to a point, but when it comes to resolving conflicts, we need to get out of that pattern. And so when we're listening, just a simple way of doing that is grabbing a piece of paper or having your phone handy to say, wait, to pause and say, just a minute, my mind is getting filled up. I need to write a note so I can clear my head so I can hear you because I want to hear you. So letting them know that you want to listen, you want to hear them, helps them be patient. So if your mind is filled up with things, just write it down. You can deal with it later. That's a way to slow the communication down as well. Because if we get too emotional, oftentimes we get excited and elevated and we get talking faster than we're able to keep up with our thoughts oftentimes. So we want to slow the process down. Okay, so we do want to pay attention to what isn't being said, you know, through the nonverbal, if we're able to absorb and pay attention to that. Skill number nine part of that is checking perceptions. We'll find out if interpretations and perceptions are valid and accurate. So, so checking perceptions. Again, it's just a further clarification, not jumping ahead, not wanting to jump into assumptions or jumping into conclusions. Again, we've got to be very careful to not make judgments. So again, it's checking in for the accuracy of our personal perceptions with phrases such as, I think that you are saying, or what I'm understanding you to say, what that means to me 
to be able to say what you're saying means to me this way that is beginning to in a sense talk about yourself but it's still focused in connection to what they're sharing so in that case it is acceptable because you're still focusing on making sure that you understand that correctly so by giving them feedback to what they said what they shared means to you is helping them know that you have listened and that you really do care and want to hear and understand and by letting them know how it's affecting you then that's engaging in the relationship and number 10 skill 10 is give the person the time to think as well as to talk so just because they stop talking doesn't mean you have to fill the space silence is golden when you're listening when you're in peace careful and that's one of the things often it's not as much my style for well there's different kinds of styles and different purposes so i can't say i don't do it but and sometimes i do quite a bit depends on the individual need but that's a big part of really why a lot of people enjoy coaching and counseling especially counseling and therapy is that they have someone that has their full attention of listening not interrupting but working to understand and to help give feedback on what your communication sounds like and then is reflected back in a way that's nurturing and so that's being quiet i've sat as long as five minutes in total silence watching a person think before they speak up again and share some more so being quiet trying to understand what the speaker is feeling and having empathy for the speaker that's the 10 things so just in review i'll go through those quickly number one is attending acknowledging is providing verbal or nonverbal awareness of the other person two is restating respond to the person's basic verbal message three reflecting Reflect perceptions of content that are heard or perceived through cues. Number four, interpreting. Offer a tentative interpretation about the person's feelings, desires, or meaning. Five, summarizing and synthesizing. Bring together feelings and experiences to provide a focus. Six is probing. Question the speaker in a supportive way to request more information or clear up any confusion. Seven, giving feedback. Share perceptions of the person's ideas or feelings, disclosing relevant personal information. Eight is supporting. Show warmth and caring in one's own individual way. Nine, checking perceptions. Find out if interpretations and perceptions are valid and accurate and 10 is being quiet giving the person the time to think as well as to talk so those are the 10 things appreciate your questions question is how do i help them feel it's their idea when we need a new idea than what they have so first of all the step one in answering that question is how do we get a person to come up with new ideas than what they already have? We got to first listen here. So Stephen Covey said, first seek to understand before you seek to be understood. 
And so going through these 10 things, being very attentive to listening, helps that person feel safe in talking, feel safe in sharing, and sharing their ideas. Now, how do I help them feel it's their idea when we need a new idea than what they have? Okay, so there's two sides of that. What I'm understanding from that question is, one is you already have the idea and you want them to take the idea. <laughs> My wife has often accused me of a similar thing is that when I come up with this bright idea, she says, well, that's about right. I, I shared that with you two weeks ago. And so now it's taken two weeks for me to figure it out. And now that I understand it, it's a great idea. And so sometimes when you share an idea, it's planting the seed of an idea. And it might take a while for them to process, to really comprehend outside of what's already in their mind. And so you plant the seed. My wife shared at one time, well, she was the office manager of a place and her boss was very strong with his opinions on things and had difficulty listening. So when something had to be changed in the office, she would just drop the idea and share briefly. And it was about two weeks later where he would then come back and say, hey, I have this idea about what we need to change in this office. And she would have to quietly grin within herself and know that that's something that she had planted the seed for him to think about. And then as he thought about it, then he began to expand in his mind the greater understanding that she actually already had. So that's one side is plant the seed and then maybe eventually they'll own it and it'll become their own. And as long as it's the results you're looking for, then celebrate that. That's what you've gotten to. If it's something that you want them to come up with more ideas than what you have as well, then first it helps to, again, summarize and state back the ideas they have shared so that they trust that you are listening to them. And then with the safety, knowing that they can be in the good wolf and you're in the good wolf, then you can ask them directly. So you've said this idea, this idea, this idea, and then that's great. And I want to come up with like five more ideas just to get creative. And that's part of the problem solving process is to brainstorm different ideas. And so you can invite them to say, okay, I want to come up with as many ideas as we can. And so let's brainstorm. So creating the safety helps with that. And so you have to say at the beginning that there's no bad ideas. We'll decide later when it comes to being creative and coming up with possible solutions. So if we can come up with 100 ideas and that gives us to the very best one, then it's worth coming up with 100 ideas. If you come up with 10 ideas and don't come up with a good idea, then you have to keep going. What I found in my experience when I asked individuals to come up with ideas, if I say, give me 10 ideas, that's kind of an expectation, 10 ideas. So usually we get to about six or seven or eight, 
And they say, wow, I don't know. 10 ideas is hard. I, I can do only six or seven. <laughs> but when I've asked for five ideas, people usually get stuck on two or three ideas. So that's one way to get more ideas. Usually you want to invite them to come up with twice as many ideas as you need to brainstorm. So if you want five good ideas, ask for 10. So if you need just one good idea, I would suggest still ask for 10 ideas. Okay, thank you for being here. And thanks for your questions. I appreciate your attendance and so appreciate your support. I have a book that I've wrote, written that in the next five episodes, I'll be giving my book away. Coming in further episodes, some different communication exercises I'll be sharing. Also talking about how our relationships affect our health. And I'm going to do a whole episode on self-esteem that affects our relationship. So some things to come. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you find this information and tools helpful. Please subscribe to the podcast channel so you never miss an episode. And be sure to join us next week for more great information. And of course, don't forget to check out my website, communicatinglove.com, for more information on my live webinar and other great resources and videos. Until next week, onward and upward.